0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Student Affairs and Services podcast. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Deborah Dodderer from the Office of the Associate Provost from Undergraduate Education. Deborah, if you could please uh, just introduce yourself, uh, where you work, and kind of what you do for the university, that would be awesome.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Deb Dodderer, and I'm Assistant Dean for University Advising. Um, I this is a new role the university created about two years ago uh, to really coordinate the academic advising training and development and onboarding of the academic advisors throughout the campus. So it's a centralized position out of the associate provost for undergraduate education. And I've been with MSU for over 26 years. Wow! So I've worked in academic advising in uh, three different colleges, um, and also then did some other work at different times across the university. So I've been here quite a while but this position came up and I was really excited to have the opportunity to to apply for it and then to subsequently get the position.
0: That's really good. I'm really happy for you. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Thank you. So I I guess I'm just very new to like knowing all these like systems. I don't know, could you explain sure. or break it down for me?
1: Um the associate provost for undergraduate education is an is both a person and an office. Um and it's an office that encompasses a number of different units across the campus. It also incorporates um, and works with curricular matters and the changing of curriculum and works with all of the colleges and the Neighborhood Student Success Collaborative, or NSSC. Um, we, We work together to provide and support student success throughout campus. So that's our primary initiative. We do it in a number of different ways. Um, The associate provost's office is engaged, as I said, in curriculum, but it's also engaged in policies and procedures. Um, It works with training for academic advising, which I'm responsible for. Um, It also uh, is heavily engaged in our student success initiatives throughout the campus. Um, It's heavily involved in new student orientation. That is a part of our unit. Um, We also are working with the flat rate tuition Uh, transition that the university is going through Um, so there's lots of varied projects um, that the office gets involved in we also do um, global education through the freshman uh, education abroad seminars that are offered Um, those come out of our office um, for our incoming students
0: I'm thinking just it's it's uh, it's random and maybe you can help me understand this so this position was just created two years ago Mm -hmm. so why do you think that the position was created
1: Um, The university really took a look at what it was doing to support undergraduate students and what it would take to move the needle, if you will, to increase our graduation rates and particularly also to uh, lower our um, opportunity gaps, if you will, Um, the gaps between uh, different student populations graduating at faster rates than others. So in order to do that, we knew that academic advising could have and does have a significant impact on the student's experience, Um, but we need to make sure that that experience is consistent because we actually have a very decentralized academic advising model on our campus. Um, We have the Neighborhood Student Success Collaborative with their academic advisors in the residence halls, so in the engagement centers that we have across campus. So there's five engagement centers, there's five advising offices. They work primarily with exploratory students. So those students that may want to explore different majors haven't chosen a major yet, but they also work with any student who walks into their office for advice. So they're very uh, engaged and and involved within the neighborhoods uh, across campus. Then you have each college or academic unit that has its own advising structure. Um, Some of the advising structure, primarily across campus, it's professional advisors. Um, But we also have a number of faculty advisors who are teaching courses um, and their tenure system faculty that are also serving as, as advisors for different majors or minors across campus. So as you can see, there's a large number of people. So how do you make sure that there's consistent onboarding of those advisors or new advisors and also then regular training and professional development across the campus to make sure that the students are getting the best experience possible? So that's how it was evolved into hiring this type of position. Um, So out of my office, that's what we're trying to do is really coordinate. Um, all of the academic advisors are supervised either by a central unit in their dean's office or uh, by department chair people in the the major departments
0: okay no i and, and it, Does that it's actually sense? yes it makes a lot yeah. it makes lots of sense and i guess I'm thinking how do you provide like that consistency across campus where were you advising at what college i've actually done
1: advising a long 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 time ago at james madison college Uh, then a number of years ago at the College of Engineering, and then I um, moved on to the College of Natural Science. And I was in natural science uh, for 17 years before I took this position.
0: Okay. So that's so interesting. You've had three different types of Mm -hmm. areas, right? And Mm -hmm. I guess I was just thinking a little bit, this is what my question is going to be about, but I want to just give you a quick contents of why I'm thinking this. So the whole flat rate tuition thing, Mm -hmm. right, and how some students take a little bit longer than others, and I know that you're trying to create something where it's faster and the whole 15 credits a semester. Yes,
1: credit momentum. Com- yes, mm-hmm. so
0: James Madison I know is a little bit more rigorous. And then engineering too, It's it could be very rigorous too. I mean, the classes they take, yep. a lot of people that I know that have done engineering degrees, most of the ones that I have met, not everyone, but they take about five years to do a program like that, right? Mm-hmm. I studied communications, and it's I don't know if it's because – I really enjoy what I'm studying or I was able to graduate a little bit uh, faster because I took dual enrollment classes before I came to college. I had mm. some under. So That's I was good. able to get out in and out quickly. So, But my advisor was really helpful to me too. I would meet with them like once a month or once or twice each semester to make sure that, hey, these are the classes that I'm doing. I don't want to take any more. I don't want to take any less. I don't want to pay. I don't want to be here longer than I need to mm-hmm. be. So when you were working in these three different colleges, was there like consistency in how you would advise the students or would it change just depending on the students I guess you were working with?
1: It really is an individual conversation. It really needs to be an individual conversation. Just because a student's in engineering um, doesn't mean that they need to potentially take fewer classes because there's a perception that they're much harder, uh, nor does it mean a student um, should overload their classes Um, without taking an assessment of where they stand. So where are they coming from? Where are they coming into the program? What background do they have? Um, Do they have dual enrollment credit? Do they have AP credit? These are all conversations we really need to see where the student is. Um, The whole credit momentum piece was really pushed and, and backed by research that shows if students take, on average, 15 credits a semester, they will finish faster, and then they will also have higher GPAs. So that's data that's been provided nationally, what we based it on. We had noticed a significant decline in the number of credits students were taking each semester. And, you know, if you ask a student, how long do you think it'll take to get through college, they'll say four years. But then if you ask them how many credits they anticipate taking during a semester, they'll say 12 to 14 credits. Well, The math doesn't add up there. You know, you have to take an average of 15 credits each semester to get to that 120 without having to take summer school, without having to do additional coursework or take extra time. So it's kind of a mindset when you're paying, especially now that we're moving to a flat rate, when you're paying in a uh, per credit model, you believe, and rightly so, that if you take fewer credits, obviously the bill's going to be smaller. But if it takes you longer to graduate, you're still paying the money for the credits, but now you're having to pay for those living expenses on campus longer or off campus longer, or you're having to um, take out more loans to do that, those types of things. So it impacts students in different ways. Um, so by going with the flat rate, students can budget. They know. I can take between 12 and 18 credits and and make that work. So. It really does come down to individually discussing with the student what their goals are. What do they see happening? How involved do they want to get uh, in campus activities? You know, in engineering, how many semesters do you want to take to do a co-op or an internship? And the same could be said in James Madison or, or even in natural science where I was because we push a lot that experiential learning, which is so impactful to students in deciding what directions they want to take these degrees, so having those individual conversations for me as an advisor, um, it has to be based on the student, and the student drives those conversations. But it also allows the advisor to learn more about what those student the student's goals are, and and to help guide them in an appropriate way.
0: That's amazing. No, and it makes perfect sense what do you think with your expertise as advising what what is the goal for an advisor like what is the because a lot of students we come to college and we don't really know like is an advisor like our counselor that we just go and talk to about our classes right or is what is the goal for that advisor because there's sometimes students take a little bit longer to graduate because they change their majors because they take some of the classes and like this is not for me so Mm -hmm. is the advisor kind of what is what is their goal and what are they really there to do for the student
1: I think Primarily, the advisor's, the academic advisor's role is to develop that relationship with the student and help guide them through the major that they are advising for. But it's also a big piece of, if that's not the right fit, then it's the advisor's job to help the student understand what other options are out there. Um, that's why we often refer from the colleges, we'll refer back to the NSSC advisors to help with some exploratory advising. But it's important for the advisor that the student's working with to, to ask questions, to probe, not just to say, here's the checklist, here are the courses you have to take, see you later. It's, what is it you want out of this education? What are your goals for this? Um, have you thought about internships? Have you thought about service learning? Have you thought about, and it's it's education abroad. You know, how do we take advantage? And that was what I always said to students. This is the only time in four years, the four years of your life right now, where you will have this many opportunities in front of you to take advantage of and to um, just open your eyes to what's all out there. Because they all, everybody comes out of a high school environment or even a community college environment, sometimes with a narrower focus. And they're not aware of the multitude of options and opportunities that exist at a large institution, but beyond that, throughout the world. Um, And so to me, an academic advisor's role is to help a student really ask those probing questions, find out what those those answers are, and then help guide them. Yes, it's important to give accurate information as an academic advisor. It's important to show a student the degree path and hopefully work out a plan. Um, We're trying to focus more on developing four-year plans for students so they can see what coursework they will have in front of them. Um, But, you know, simply checking the boxes isn't the role of the academic advisor. It really is to help the student navigate and also navigate the troubling times. I mean, advisors get um, many students who feel comfortable with them, and we encourage that. But if they're having struggles, and it may not even be struggles with their academics... It may be external struggles. Um, the advisors a lot, many times, is that first person of context. So we have to be a very good resource for them to a multitude of other things on campus that can support their to support their academics, but support them as a person.:
0: Excellent. So. That's great. I'm thinking of all this, right? And I, am, I came to do my undergraduate degree here at MSU, and now I'm mm-hmm. working on my master's degree. And mm-hmm. one thing that I really appreciate about MSU is the diversity. And we have so many people from different places and different cities and different countries. And it was just amazing when I lived here. I got to, you know, you never know who your sweetmeat is going to be and and where they're going to be from or who your roommate's going to be, things of that nature. So how do you meet, like, someone who's not from the United States or someone who is not from Michigan? And I guess they come to, you know, Michigan State University, and how are we helping, like, these students that probably – are experiencing a huge culture shock right with their like mm-hmm. academics like is 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 that any way I know that has become something very I get aware of that we've that we've needed to start paying attention to and I guess I'm thinking because I always read a lot of statistics on how there's a lower rate of minority students probably not graduating as quick as um mm-hmm. other students right so how how do we help those students or or what initiatives are we doing as, as, at mSU to help those students.
1: I can tell you that we're working directly with academic advisors, offering a lot of training and exposing them to more diversity and inclusion and equity uh, opportunities. Um, We've done some uh, training on uh, interrupting bias and trying to get advisors, getting advisors through a three-part course to talk about how you have to unpack your own biases and then be able to uh, open up and and uh, work with others because you have to understand where you come from. We all have bias. There's there's nothing, you know, that this says, you know, there's no one person that doesn't mm-hmm. have any bias. Um, and so we're trying to work with advisors that way. But across campus, it really is working together to build that support network. Um, the neighborhoods do a great job in their collaboration. Um, with REHS and all the work they're doing within the neighborhood structure to create support networks by having healthcare providers and um, career services staff and advising staff um, and then the, the mental health counseling in the neighborhood. So we're trying to bring more to the student so they don't have to feel they have to do this massive navigation. That's one of the things when you're coming to this environment. It's new for everybody but I think it's more challenging for someone who, A, may not be from the United States, um, or B, was raised in a much smaller environment potentially, and now you're facing, well, how do I even begin to find the resource I need? Um, So it's, it's building an awareness among the staff and the students, and that focus on student success. Again, we keep pounding that home. That's what we're here for. We're here to make student, make sure students are successful. Now, some students are going to always have things happen to them that require them to take time off. That's okay. That's life. Excuse me. That's life. That's the way we experience it. And there's always going to be those situations, but we also want to be there when they're ready to come back
0: um, and offer them
1: the opportunities. So hopefully that Yes, yeah, because
0: that's what I've learned. I mean, i everyone has a different story. And when you get here, it's right. like, I just want to always, I guess I think about, you know, international students or even like, you know, domestic students that are, it's new to them. They come from a small town and they're in, there in this that's big right. university. It's like, how are we doing our jobs here at MSU to make sure that we're listening to them and guiding them and right in that direction mm-hmm. that they need to be mm-hmm. going into to have a successful college career and To make sure they're getting the most out of their experience here.
1: And I think the real key thing for every student, they've got to have that campus connection. I don't care who it is. It could be an RA. It could be a community director. It could be a faculty member. Hopefully there are many in their lives that they feel a connection with. Um, It could be an academic advisor. Honestly, it could be one of the custodial staff. That personal connection that they make with someone here on campus can really help sustain a student through through their time here. It's, it's having that personal connection with somebody to help build your community. Um, because you have to build your own. Um, that's the thing. And so I think that's the important part is, is reaching out and making sure that you're open to connecting with people who will help you build that community.
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. Yeah. So you've... Mentioned that you started, you know, this position. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the challenges you've like have faced? A lot of our parents are listening to this as well. So what could the parents do to, what, could, what role could they play, play to maybe encourage to take advantage of that resource?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to be a parent of a college student because you're really used to uh, knowing where your child is all the time when they're uh, in high school. You know when they're in the cafeteria. You know when they're in class, when they're not in class. And that's, that's a tough transition. And I know I talk about this at the parent uh, new student uh, orientation, but the parent portion of that, uh, we do a presentation on the academic advising experience and why it's important. Um, I think the best thing I can say to parents is to support and encourage your student to meet with their academic advisor. Um, help your student even engage in some questions that they want to come into the advising appointment with. Um, they can they direct this advising appointment. It's not directed by the advisor per se so it's good to come in prepared with questions if there are questions you may be concerned about give them to your student make sure that they're they're asking those questions Um, you know we we get to a point where our hope is that students are communicating back to their families and um, that the families understand what's happening to the student but for a number of our families if the students are first generation you know, the families don't know how to help them. So one way that we could help, that families could help is to help the student engage in the resources on campus. So don't be afraid to reach out to the faculty member. Don't be afraid to meet with the academic advisor. Don't, you know, encourage your student to reach out to the resources that are here. Because I think some students just shy away from that. They're concerned about asking for help. They may Uh, Be very hesitant to ask for help. We're here to support the student. So encourage your student to do that if they need need assistance. And that's what we typically tell families all the time, that it's important to do that.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Well, those are all the questions that I have. Is there anything else, Deb? I
1: do hope that, um, you know, That students and families understand that there is a very, very important role that academic advisors can play in their students' educational journey here, um, and that we hope we can uh, continue to partner with them in doing that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I do want to just stress the importance of it. I mean, it really helped me kind of just navigate uh, my college career by talking to an advisor. They're experts. I mean, they know what they're doing. They know what the curriculum is. Any questions that you ask, they're willing to answer. And I know that because I've, I've met with different advisors when I was here, and they were all very helpful. And there's different types of resources now. They're at their, your college. They're where you live. I mean, they're in different locations. There's tons of advisors that could help you. Um, and it also takes a little bit of time to maybe finding the right one that you kind of connect with. Right, right. That is so. true.
1: This is an interpersonal relationship, so mm-hmm. it is very important to make sure that you're comfortable with that, with awesome. that advisor.
0: Yes. So thank you so much again, Dev, for being here. Really appreciate your time.
1: You're welcome. Thank so, you. Thank you.